Okay. Hello, my name is Colleen Bryant. I'm here with Mia Gentile. So sit back, grab a snack and a drink and relax. Let's get started. Mia, can you please tell us about yourself? Hi, everybody. Um, hi, Colleen. It's really great to be here. I'm super honored that you asked me to be on your very, very cool and awesome podcast. Um, my name is Mia Gentile. I am 31. Uh, actually, I'm about to turn 32 next month. And I live in Washington Heights, New York City. I have a cat named Lilith. I love stuffed animals and playing outside. <laughs> Most of the time I try to be like a little kid again. And um, I grew up in the suburbs of New York and Connecticut. I was very much an overachiever, perfectionist, Hermione Granger type. Loved Harry Potter, by the way, growing up, obsessed, still obsessed. Um, really loved learning, like I loved learning anything. Um, I love music, theater. I went to college. Uh, I went to a conservatory for musical theater, even though it felt risky and scary. Um, and then I went into performing professionally as a career, as an actor, singer, and dancer. Um, I also sing jazz and I actually grew up singing in a gospel choir. So music to me has been not just um, a passion, but really something that saved me, that's um, carried me through uh, the rough times. And um, I also am in a two person audiovisual collective called Missy Fit with a man named Roger Klug, who I met when I was in Cincinnati at school. And we release music, we write music. Um, and also I'm a, a Broadway ambassador for an amazing organization called Broadway for Arts Education, which, um, which helps underserved youth um, get access to arts education and partners with many organizations all over the world, including in India, Haiti, the Galapagos, and many programs in New York City, including Urban Assembly. So that's something I'm really passionate about as well as being an advocate for um, youth that don't have the opportunities that I did growing up. That's really cool. Um, so I'm gonna, so when you did broad, like practicing Broadway, how did it make you feel when you were on stage and having the audience staring at you? How did you, that make you feel? Well, my, so Kinky Boots was my Broadway debut. And I was in that show for about almost five years. Oh, wow. um, so do you mean, what does it feel like to be on stage? Like once it's Broadway or just in general on stage? Um, just in general, you can explain it the way you like to. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I, I'm really, um, I'm really chatty. So I could just like go on and on and I don't want to like go on and on if it's not the question you were asking. <laughs> Me too. I'm very chatty. We could be best friends. We can. Now we've got each other's information. <laughs> it's already happening. Um, so, okay. So I guess the first time I was on stage, I was six years old in kindergarten at Greenwich Catholic School. And it was like the Christmas play. And I was Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I like had an idea that that was a big part. And I remember being really excited to play Mary. <laughs> and the whole show opened with me at six years old, 
you know, on my knees praying in this big like auditorium. It was Greenwich Catholic School was kindergarten through eighth grade. So it was a pretty big school. And the curtains opened and I was the only thing on stage just in the center. And everybody in the audience was looking at me and it was all dark and there's the set behind me and, and the lights are on me. And I thought, wow, what is this? Like it was scary, but it was exhilarating. And, um, and today it, it's still that. <laughs> it's still the most thrilling thing ever to be on stage, to tell stories, to sing in front of people, even if it's not a big stage like Broadway or singing with a symphony, which I, I've been lucky to do. Um, but my first performance on Broadway, which was a childhood dream of mine, was a really, was kind of a blur. I remember just being so nervous that I, I don't remember much of the actual performance part, but I remember the curtain call when we all bow and mm -hmm. the audience is just applauding at the end of the show. And I remember it hitting me that like, I just made my Broadway debut, like my lifelong dream just came true. And that's when I started crying. It was like, wow, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite part. Like I did acting in my old school Midland. Um, I mentioned my old school in my previous podcasts. Mm -hmm. Like just having that feeling of applause. It's, it's amazing. Just like, yeah, just like, wow, I achieved something. I did something from start to finish. And it's like the perfect feeling. She's like, wow, I did this. I memorized the lines, sort of the choreography, but I managed to do it. Like, wow, this is so exciting. Yes. And, and also I feel like the, the really exhilarating part for me too over time is like, cause yes, like you're saying, it's, it's courageous to get on stage. Um, it's an act of extreme courage and it doesn't mean that it like, it gets easier the more you do it, but it doesn't mean that that risk doesn't go away. You still mm -hmm. want to be good. You still want people to like you and like what you do on stage. And, you know, my, my acting teacher, Patrick page has a podcast called the Patrick page podcast. And he says like, I think he might've been quoting somebody else, but he's like the nerve. Oh, there's my cat. Lilith. <laughs> the nerve like for the actor to get up on the stage and basically the assumption is like I'm going to stand here on this stage in the light and you hundreds of people are going to sit in the dark and watch and listen to me <laughs> you know it's really it takes guts right um, but ultimately what makes it easier is knowing that like the, the story you're telling is actually going to open the hearts and minds of people like I know as an audience member how art in general, but theater, music, um, musicals, plays, dance, it just opens my heart. And I just think, wow, I get to do that for somebody else. And like, we're all together having this experience in this theater right now. And right. it connects us all, right? Right. And I like what you said, because like with people in this, like in the crowd, they don't really, like they see the art, but they don't really see what behind the scenes I like to call it like make mm -hmm. clap for your hard work and like the cast members the crew like the choreographer like everyone like not just having um all that to yourself because then that be like an awkward feeling if you're just feeling it all for you when you can be like hey my friend was in this too like it was it's a good feeling yeah um, 
I speaking of Broadway, um, have you actually have you? I'm actually curious. Sorry, I'm stuttering. That's okay. <laughs> I'm curious. Have you ever met Lynn Manuel Miranda? You know, I was so close to getting to meet him. <laughs> there was this thing called um, there's this thing called Easter Bonnet, and also um, it. It's now called the Red Bucket Follies. It used to be called Gypsy of the Year. And it's basically this amazing organization, Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, collects money um, through the Broadway community every year, twice a year. And so sometimes, and at the end of these collecting periods, each show can participate in this gala, well, this celebration of the, the money collected and they do skits. And there was a kinky boot sketch that actually my castmates and I was going to do, but I was in an acting class and was like, oh, I'm not available for this one. But um, Wayne Brady was in the show at the time, who's a friend in, of mine, and we're starting to collaborate now on music. And um, and he and Lynn and a few other castmates of mine did um, like a freestyle rap skit that won best skit that year and in, in these collecting. So anyways, um, I've never met him one-on-one, -on -one, but I really do hope it happens. I think he is... Um, a real trailblazer and, and a genius of our time, you know. He is a genius. Um. But I did get to see him in Hamilton twice um, because two of my friends from school were, were in the original cast and he was nothing but brilliant. And so was the entire cast. Mm -hmm. I think I saw pretty much the original cast both times. And, and it was like one of the most incredible experiences of like seeing Hamilton. Uh, nothing like it. It's like history, you know, history is happening. <laughs> it's like history, but with a jam, like, you know what I mean? Like songs from history that kids can learn. Yes. We well, educate, like even with facts that aren't real, it just makes the show, makes it more fun. Like, yes, there are facts in the show. And be like, wait, did that really happen in history? Like we start, the wheels start clicking yeah like, hey, did that really happened did I miss something in the book like what oh my gosh because the thing about like learning like being in social studies class and you're like oh I have to learn this fact about something that happened in the past it seems so dry but mm -hmm. like what Lin-Manuel Miranda I mean I think he was working on Hamilton for like almost a decade before it came out and and researching and reading about Alexander Hamilton and the thing that he does is he makes it human. Like all the things that have existed in our country before us, like they were people like us and it just makes it real. Like we, like we're a part of that history. So to see Hamilton, you're, you're seeing American history um, made real through like the storytelling of the founding fathers. But then you're also seeing history being made in the present, like Broadway history, like, mm -hmm like the idea that we're talking about these themes of immigrants um, in America today. And that, you know, it's history, history happening now. Right. And it's like just on like- so many levels. Right. And it's like, and it's also motivating because it's like Black Lives Matter protest. Like, um, like, like everybody is like coming together again, being mm. like, hey, this isn't right. I mm. want to be right, not mm. from back, from way back when, 
but like I want to be right now make America better and it's just like so powerful and I love it so much that everybody is respecting each other now more more now than ever because of COVID and everything yeah the um the pandemic and this whole last year has been this um pressure cooker that's allowed the inequity of our country to come to the surface in a way that we all have to wake up to the deeper things that have been going on, the racism. And um, it's been, and people like Lin-Manuel Miranda, people that tell stories of marginalized voices are actually helping make the world a better place because you can watch the story and empathize with the character and you'd be like, well, I guess that character is not so different from me, even if they come from a different background or if they have a different skin color, you know, and you could really see like how, when you come from your heart, like we're not free till all of us are free. Right. And it's just like, you only see the outside, like I said in poetry, one of my poetry classes for great conversations, we read a poem and I'm like, you don't really see the inside on how they feel. You only see the outside. Do you until it's too late? And like in the inside, when you write poetry, and how Miranda did that with the songs, it's just like they're letting everybody know what really how I feel. It's like that I feel like writing, I guess. Mm. And it's just like. I noticed that in poetry and in songs that people are writing their like his like history or like the meaning of really behind the song. And it's just so amazing. I um I love that you you love poetry. I want to let you ask the questions you want to ask. It's I feel like I could just talk to you for hours, Colleen. <laughs> I mean, um, I can talk for hours too. No, I just mean the two of us, like, I think we could talk about any subject for any length of time, but yeah, no, I've just started to write some poetry more so in the pandemic. And I also, um, and it's so freeing and it's actually really brave to write, to put pen to paper or, you know, get on your, whatever tablet of device, you know, to, to actually write something that comes from your heart is so brave. And, um, it took me a long time to give myself permission to create art of my own. Uh, rather than be the interpreter of someone else's art, which is still art, you know, but um, yeah, and I, I host this thing called Art Share with my, with the nonprofit that I work with, Broadway for Arts Education, and the youth from Urban Assembly bring in poems, monologues, songs, scenes that they've written, and they are so real and so honest about the stories that don't get told as much. Right, um, and that's, sorry, and it's like sad that people don't hear all the stories that they really want to say. And that's amazing that you do that. And it's just amazing all the stuff that you've been like going through, like all this Broadway, like bringing people together. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, by the way. No, great. <laughs> like, like just like having you and your cast, having a meaningful show, it's just so beautiful. and. Um, this next question is actually, do you think it's okay to be yourself? Mm. I, I think it's more than okay. Like, I think, yes, of course, it's okay to be yourself. But now more than ever, I think it's necessary. Like, I don't think we have time to hide anymore. 
-hmm. know? And I think that to be truly honest with yourself about who you are, what you love, who you love, your challenges, mm -hmm. your dreams, your goals, to be honest first with yourself and then at whatever pace or, you know, journey feels natural, like to be honest with the world and be who you are out in the world, because then you're giving other people permission to be themselves. And I, I don't think it's okay. I think it's necessary. I think it's like the most important thing we could do right now mm. on an individual level, because it's not just on an individual level, like you having this podcast and encouraging people to be advocates is an expression of who you are you know, helping others by sharing your experiences and helping educate others. I just think that the ripple effect of that is like love, like it's all good and it's helping the world and it will continue to. Um, so one other question. Um, one message from the show is accept yourself and you accept others too. What does that mean to you? Mm, what a good question. That's one of my favorite lines in Kinky Boots. Mm -hmm. I think it's so wise. And of course, we love Lena Hall, like screlting, like, accept yourself and you'll accept us too. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes, she is you. amazing. Truly, all the women who played Nicola are amazing. Um, and, you know, it's, you could get caught up in how cool it sounds. Uh, to hear it sung, but the, but the line, accept yourself and you'll accept others too, is just a real truism to me. Um, I truly think that unless I have real compassion for myself and my imperfections and um, the things that I fear and the things that I struggle with, like I'm not going to have space for compassion for someone else. And mm -hmm. I really feel that when I'm, it goes both ways. So now I can see, like, when I look out into the world, and if I'm not, <laughs> my cat's meowing at the birds. Um, <laughs> when I'm not, like, curious about someone, when I go out in the world and I'm, like, judging someone, I can, I can say, okay, what part of them is mirroring something that I'm judging in myself? Right. And I think that the only way we can truly do good in the world and be kind to others from a real genuine place that's not like ego or trying to take credit for being a good person is if we're kind to ourselves radically. And that's to me the most important thing we could do today. Um, because if you heal yourself of the hurt that we all have hurt, uh, then, then we can heal the world because then we'll have more compassion for the other people who are hurting. Right. And it's just so meaningful because sometimes like people are scared to be yourself. Like I was like, before I lived with my aunt and uncle, I was kind of like scared to be outside of the box, I guess you would say, because mm. like in my new school, I was just so scared because I'd be judged at, but honestly it was the opposite because everybody had a disability. Everybody was their own self. I was able to be, like my own shell, like this bright, talkative person that really likes horror movies in Broadway and no one can mm -hmm. stop me. Like with acting in school plays, like no one can stop me because I learned it's okay to be yourself. And mm -hmm. yes, there's like rocky roads, 
but like sometimes you just gotta get back on the right path and be yourself. You're really lighting the way by by accepting who you are and because who you are is perfect and beautiful and smart and vivacious and passionate and you know also like every everything like when I my whole life has been versions of learning to accept myself like once I realized that was the game rather than like mm-hmm. trying to impress the world and prove myself and like I was trying to accept myself through the validation of the outside world because like we're all taught to just strive to achieve and meet these certain standards and be successful in the eyes of everyone else. And then we'll be able to accept ourselves. But, but that to me is like a never ending rat race and a hamster wheel of misery. (laughs) (laughs) Like if I, if I accept myself radically for exactly who I am today, that's the only way I can take any steps towards finding peace and being able to be of use to the world, you know? So it's amazing and I feel honored that you, that you told me that part of your journey and yeah, it's so important. It is for everyone. Thank you. Um, speaking of show, um, my, I know my favorite song from Kinky Boots is Raise You Up, Just Be. What is your favorite song in the play? Raise You Up, Just Be is a great one. And that one has a lot of wisdom packed into it. A lot of like the really powerful messages of the show. I mean, to get to do that number mm-hmm. every day was so gratifying. And I think Kinky Boots had something really special and rare, which was that a lot of the original cast members stayed on for a long time. Many of them through the, to the very end of like a six year run. And I think part of that was that we really believed in the messages of the show. Um, like the one you said, accept yourself and you'll accept others shoot too. let love shine, let pride mm-hmm. be your guide, be proud of who you are, be proud of your differences, right. um, celebrate them. And so I love raising up that faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it was something that, you know, to do a performance thousands of times can wear on you. But the message of the show and and songs like Raise You Up, Just Be make it really easy because you believe in it and you know that people are getting something out of it because we're getting something out of it. We we can only hope, you know, based on the crowd's reactions. And, you know, if it lifts someone's spirits just a little bit, then then, then we've done our jobs. Um, But yeah, I think my favorite number to perform um, was probably Everybody Say Yeah. And Ooh, that's, that was that's because, um, but I also like, I got to under, I was in the ensemble as a, as the factory worker named Gemma Louise, who had a mullet wig, mm-hmm. um, which was really fun and really cool. And, and Gemma Louise, my, uh, factory worker character was originated by Ellen Marie Marsh, very brilliant Broadway actor, actress. And, um, that character, the ensemble character is based on a real woman because Kinky Boots is based on a true story. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really cool learning about um, the woman that my character, that my ensemble track was created around. And then also I got to understudy the character of Lauren who falls in love with Charlie Price, uh, the protagonist, um, one of them. Uh, and, and so History of Wrong Guys, singing that number was incredibly fun. Um, that was like one of the more fun, like, cause for me, one of the greatest joys of being a performer is making people laugh. 
And that number is so well constructed and so brilliant. And, and um, Anna Lee Ashford, who originated that role, really crafted this, this character who is so silly and weird. And I got to bring my own weirdness to it. And that got to be celebrated and, and make people laugh by just the humanity of having a huge crush on someone and being like, oh no, he's my boss. What am I supposed to do? So I loved doing that number, but I also loved everybody say, yeah, because the angels, Lola and the factory workers all got to blend together for the common cause. Like we all got to party together. Cause like in the beginning, the first act is all about like the factory workers not really understanding the drag queens and judging them. Um, and everybody say, yeah, is a number where we all sort of can come together and see each other and celebrate each other. And, and it was just the most fun to do. <laughs> I got right. to like flips on, on treadmills. <laughs> that, was, that was like one of my favorite scenes too. Like all of it was my favorite scenes. <laughs> it's um, just joyful, right? I mean, that right. number particularly is just incredibly joyful. And like, I know that you're my, wait. Um, so for our second one, um, well, not second question, because we had, we've we been had meandering. <laughs> I can't um, keep track. Yeah, I'm like highlighting as I go. Um, <laughs> um, so for now, I know that you're my first ever Broadway cast interview. Can you I'm so honored. <laughs> Can you tell me what people don't see behind the scenes of the show? Absolutely. I love that question. Um, and it's like, and you probably know um, a lot of that having done theater before. Um, what's so cool about being in theater on any, any level, you know, whether it's like I did community theater growing up in high school, I did school plays in high school. Um, I did regional theater, did off-Broadway and then Kinky Boots on Broadway. And it's just, all theater has something in common and that's that there's like a whole lot of stuff happening behind the scenes in order to make that happen. And there's, everybody has their own role to play, not just the actors. So with Kinky Boots in particular, you have this remarkable crew of technicians who are running like, you know, automated set pieces. And sometimes like things go wrong, like in everybody say, yeah, like the mm -hmm. treadmills weren't coming out one day and we all had to like, just sort of figure it out on the fly. Right. Um, Cause it wasn't like an extremely dangerous situation where we had to stop the show. Although though, <laughs> there were those situations as well. And that's where the technicians really get to come in and like save the day. But right. like the technicians, um, like the carpenters, the lighting technicians, sound designers, sound technicians, mm -hmm. Um, the wardrobe, the hair department, the makeup department, um, and the stage management team. I mean, there's a whole, there's teams and we're all like coming together and doing our best to tell this story. And the story can't go on without any one part, right? Like right. we need everybody. And it's such a feeling of joy and accomplishment to all of us have, you know, studied or, or like worked hard to do this as a career, all our individual parts mm -hmm. and to come together, the music department, the orchestra. Um, and so for me, my favorite experiences about being in Kinky Boots was like the family that mm -hmm. I 
had and found and the home that I made in, in that theater, the Al Hirschfeld Theater. Um, and so a couple of little anecdotes of that were, we'd have barbecues um, in this alleyway. Like, so there's an exit that's not the stage door where you would see like people lining up for uh, playbill autographs. There's this other exit and, and there's this alleyway where people would store their bikes if they rode their bikes to, uh, to work. And, and our, um, our head carpenter, Joe Marr would cook, would, would, would like lead the technicians and in, in like making these like barbecues for us. Um, and, and the musicians would come and the tech people would come and stage management and, um, you know, sometimes the producers, like, well, there's, that's a whole other side too. Like the creator, the creative team, the producers, the associate director, associate choreographer, you know, we're all part of this family. And, and I really felt that we all were loved and taken care of from the top down, from like the mega generous producers um, like Daryl Roth um, and, and the creators, the creatives like Harvey Firestein and Cindy Lopper and Jerry Mitchell, Jerry Mitchell, we were really well cared for. And so we, we had, we got to bond um, and celebrate this story. And then there's also Broadway softball. So I was on the Broadway softball league and I got to get to know um, a lot of musicians like in the pit who I didn't get to socialize with as much during the show because they're mm -hmm. underneath the stage. <laughs> um, and uh, also technicians that I didn't, you know, cause you, during the run of the show, like you don't always cross paths with everyone, right? right? You kind of like, and I think we got to bond a lot as an ensemble in this show because there were a lot of group numbers. And so there's a lot of us like waiting backstage before a group number where we get to be together. Um, and we got to bond a lot that way. Um, so yeah, so Broadway softball was a way to, to bond with people that I didn't get to see a lot. Um, so our team was the Kinky Bats. And I usually played in the outfield and I miss it so much. That's a perfect team name. <laughs> right? And I like that because it's like not, not only you're making friends with your co-host, it's like you're being a giant family and having like, like, like I like to say another brother from another mother. Yeah. Like you're having like brothers and sisters like all to come together. It's like, become a giant family and it makes everything so worse than at the end yeah sister from another mister brother from another mother and yeah. i'm not gonna say that it wasn't like there's always challenges like in any family mm -hmm. there's gonna be squabbles and you know sometimes it feels like a dysfunctional family like you get to know these people mm -hmm. in and out you see them for eight shows a week for years right and some cast cast mates go come in and out and the rehearsal process, like for the, the understudies and the swings um, is ongoing. So like, you're also training new people to come in. Mm. Uh, like you have a, 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 like celebrities or people that are coming in to play the lead roles just for a little bit of time. So I was a part of, you know, helping rehearse those people cause I was an understudy. But yeah, we were like a big family and that doesn't mean we always get along but it does mean that we love each other pretty much unconditionally and we're, we're there to you know do the best we can for the sake of this amazing story and mm. put our differences behind us and um and and I do think that we got along like surprisingly well for a long-running show like I just think it was some there was something magical about the home that I had in that building and 
And when people would go through a rough time, I went through rough times right. over the five years that I was there. People will like support you through that. Like when, when Natalie Joy Johnson was one of the ensemble women with me, she played Pat and, and, you know, I remember her dog was having surgery and we would collect money for her vet bills, like among the cast and crew and the, like, we really took care of each other. And, and that's something that still exists today. We still stay in touch and, you know, the bonds that you create in, in, in that kind of environment never, never die really. Right. And she's like so powerful. Like you, you never knew that a show would make a family, if that makes sense. Mm. Like you never, like I, like I love Broadway. Sometimes I don't get the meaning of it until like the next day be like, wait, this is the meaning. But some, like as soon as like, I saw Kinky Boots, um, I was like, I immediately got the message, like it's okay to help one another. That makes me so happy to hear. <laughs> yeah. um, I know um, Connor Maynard, my favorite mm -hmm. singer, um, and you of course, was in the show for a bit. What celebrities have you met in the show? Yeah, Connor is amazing. I had a blast working with him. He's so funny. I got to say, we had a lot of celebrities come in and out of the show and every single one of them was a dream to work with. Mm -hmm. And I really say that like, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not still in the show. I'm not going to get fired. Like, I don't have to say that, but every single person that was brought in to work with us, um, who didn't stay for as long as like the ensemble or some of the other supporting roles. They, they were all just lovely people. So Connor was hilarious and a blast. And all of them were really like wanted to be part of the family and became part of the family. So there was um, David Cook from American Idol. He actually played softball with us and was really competitive with softball. He loved playing on Kinky Bats. Um, and he was so sweet. Um, Brendan Yuri from Panic at the Disco. Oh, he was, he was so fun too. Like he was just really um, so humble and like just wanted to hang with us. And like, we got to really bond with him, him and, um, and his wife, Sarah and uh, Zach, his right-hand man. And Zach actually played on the softball team as well. And, uh, and I'm still in touch with some of them, you know, and um, another really good friend and, and buddy who, who I really see as like, not only an inspiration for me as an artist, but just as a human is Wayne Brady. Um, he was in the show twice um, yeah. and, and he did a lot of good. Like he raised a lot of money for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS when he played Lola. Mm -hmm. because he would freestyle rap at the end of the show and people would donate a word for a hundred dollars and and he'd weave that word into an improvised rap or song and that was so fun to be on stage for that and to see him like really do his thing and I mean Billy Porter who originated Lola right. won the Tony I got to do the show with him for a while and and Stark Sands wasn't there. He was the original Charlie Price. He wasn't there when I first came in, but he came back. Like that's, I mean, it's really testament to what, um, what an amazing, warm, loving place to work 
it was like, and like I said, there's nothing perfect. It's not all roses, but ultimately we loved each other. And, um, so this, the people that did the thing, got the credit on the resume, they didn't just go on and like be the stars of the world or continue to be, they came back because they wanted to tell this story again. There's some magic about it. Um, other celebrities, let's see, there were so many. Well, actually it was a really fun one was the football player, Tiki Barber. That was really unexpected. And he just, the thing about Tiki Barber is like, he was just the sweetest gentleman, you know, and so handsome and lovely and friendly, like a hugger and very much got into like the team spirit of Kinky Boots. Like before the show in act one, when we're at places, so the Price and Sun factory doors are closed. So the audience can't see us, but we're on, on the stage behind those doors because they open up and we're frozen and the most beautiful thing in the world starts. So we're, we're in our places, but we do this little, oi, 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 shoes, like this little chant. Um, and, and then at, at the beginning of act two, at the end, at places, at the end of intermission, we go, oi, 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 boots. And uh, Tiki Barber like loved that stuff. Like he, and it probably, I guess it makes sense because like, a t- like theater is a team sport and that's something mm-hmm. he had a ton of experience with. Um, there were just so many amazing people. Um, Mark Ballas, he was on Dancing with the Stars and he and his wife, BC Jean, they have this incredible band and it was just, everyone was just a part of the family. Like Jake Shears from the Scissor Sisters. I mean, and he was so cool because he was in the middle of writing and publishing a book, like a memoir. He's a brilliant writer. And I remember going into his dressing room to um, hang with him and just say hi. And he was like learning contact juggling. Like he just had so many passions, so many different passions. And it was just, there was something to learn from everybody that came in those factory doors, you know? That's amazing. Like, I just never realized like what goes on the sides, like, on the side or like backstage, like all of it's just so inspirational. Like it's so fun. Um, my next question till we get towards the end. Um, do you have any advice for people with disabilities who want to pursue pursue acting? Mm, that's a really great question. I think that my advice as far as pursuing acting might be the same for, for anyone. But if, if I'm going to speak specifically to people with disabilities, I mean, I can only imagine uh, what, what life is like um, living with a disability. And I would just encourage, like I try to encourage myself and um, the youth that I work with in Bay, Broadway for Arts Education, to just see what makes you special. And sometimes it is that thing that you think is different or weird, but to embrace that, like to know that the things that make you different are the things that make you a really powerfully unique and amazing contribution to the world. So to lean into those things and to know that they're your superpower. And, um, and, and, to know that and to trust that you have something really valuable to offer to the world just by being you exactly who you are. So this is advice that I would give to anyone, but especially with, uh, as it pertains to your question, Colleen, um, I would just say, 
don't worry about what you think the world wants to see from you. Cause I spent a lot of time in this theater career being like, well, what's my type? How do they see me? How do they want to cast me? Um, how do I get cast? Please hire me, please. You know, because it's like so many people and it's competitive, but I think the best thing you could do is just have a whole lot of fun and remember why you want to do it. Like, remember why you love theater and why you want to sing, why you want to act, why you want to write, why you want to dance, like what it does, like what, what about it rings your bells and lights you up. And just to like, don't, don't lose the joy of it because that's like when, when you're having fun, the people watching you or listening to your art or seeing your art will be having fun too. That's wonderful. I'm glad that I heard that, especially from you. <laughs> um, this is my second to last question. Um, Kinky Boots includes the pre-presentation of minority groups. How do you think representation like these impact the community? Mm. Wow. Colleen, you asked some really deep questions. I'm, I'm so like, this is amazing. Um, I think representation of minority groups of marginalized groups is the most important thing I think right now that we could focus on in the Broadway community and in the world at large, <laughs> um, especially in our country. I think America is really being taken to task with regards to healing deep wounds uh, over many, many generations. And I think the um, oppression, subjugation, marginalization of certain groups, whether it is based in race, religion, gender identity, body type or size, occupation, class, like whatever it is, like it, it's, um, it's like time's up on just telling the stories of the things that we like the centrisms, you know, like the, like the, the, the privilege, like I, I grew up with it with a significant amount of privilege and, and, and I challenged myself to awaken to what that means, to look at the historical context of someone who has a different situation um, and to look at mine and to step back and to see like, how can I amplify the voice of someone else? How can I use my white privilege to amplify the voice of someone who fights to be heard because of inequity, racism, judgment, intolerance, all of that, like that, I think that the representation of all marginalized groups within the Broadway community is like the, the most important thing we can do right now. And I, and I, and I do see um, celebrities, like famous Broadway stars stepping down from roles in order to, like in an act of protest against abuse in the workplace and against white privilege and, um, and against toxic masculinity and patriarchal views. And I think it's, it's really time to celebrate all of us and to uh, lift up the voices that don't get heard. Like, I agree with that. Like, not a lot of people get heard when they really want to. And it's just like, 
kind of sad when you think about it, but at the same time, like the show, it's educating people, like it's educating the world, honestly, like, like having other people listen to your side and be like, hey, I also need help. And then we'll all come together as community and be like helping each other out. It's just like so fun. Yeah. And we need like, more of that. I agree. I'm so happy that you asked me to do this podcast because um, there are groups out there that that do a lot of work towards um, advocating for people with disabilities. And um, oh, of course, I'm going to blank. We have um, we have special performances um, through uh, the is it the Actors Fund? Well, the Actors Fund does amazing things, but you know, like the, the represent, just to go back to your last question, mm-hmm. when, when people with disabilities are represented in theater, like for example, in the Deaf West production, the revival of Spring Awakening, it, it heals the world. Like, mm-hmm. because maybe some, somebody hasn't been exposed to what it is to live with that particular disability and they can see that person shine. Or maybe somebody's living with that particular disability who thinks like, oh, well, that's not available to me. I can't be a Broadway star. And then they see someone else do it and they think, oh, like don't limit it. Like it allows, it allows everyone to have this, the equal amount of like freedom to pursue their dreams. And we all need that. Like when, when one person is healing, we're all healing. It's just like, that's just really good. It's like good for your mental health and just for your mind to be free and it's okay to be what you need to be. And it is okay. <laughs> it's yeah. more than okay. <laughs> and it's okay not to be okay. And that was something yeah. I had to learn through my struggles with mental illness, you know, because I wanted to look perfect to the outside world. And when I was falling mm-hmm. apart on the inside, I had to look at that eventually. And when I did, I realized it's okay to not be okay. And it's important to be kind because you never know what someone is going through. Right. And that's just a part of life, like learning from each other. And mm. it's just like, it's, like you said, it's part of life. Yeah. And um, I'm just so happy that I was like, I asked you to be on my podcast. And on that really good end note, I didn't really get to ask you a lot of those questions that I had planned because I'm on, like I'm getting ready for um, a special class. <laughs> um, I know that we're at the end of the podcast. I normally ask my listeners a question to answer. Here's a fun question. Do you think it's okay? Do you think that Broadway should hire actors more with disabilities? Why or not? Why not? Are you asking me or is that for the audience? It could be both. You can answer it and have their answers. Um, I always give them a question. I love that. I I, I love all the questions that you pose. I listened to a few episodes before, before coming on here. And I mean... I don't want to influence anybody else's answers, but maybe I do. And my answer would be absolutely 100% yes. Um, 
Broadway should hire people with disabilities as much as possible because it's important to celebrate everyone. And, um, and discrimination based on disabilities like just continues the, the hurt and the pain. And um, I, I think that people with disabilities have something really unique and amazing like to offer just like anybody else. And, uh, and that should be celebrated on Broadway. Right, and that's, that's the key of success. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, now that it's time for me to end here, where can people find our media? Oh, um, I'm on Instagram at the Mia Gentile. So it's at T-H-E-M-I-A-G-E-N-T-I-L-E. Uh, I'm on YouTube. And also my band, Missy Fit, is on Instagram as um, at Missy Fit Music. So it's at M-I-S-S-Y-F-I-T-M-U-S-I-C. And um, Instagram. I'm still working on the TikTok thing. Yes, I'm, I'm also on Facebook. Um, the website is under construction. The Missy Fit website is um, missyfit.net. And um, I guess that's it for now. I mean, I, I have a Twitter account, but I should be better about social media. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I have a YouTube account as well. That's just under my name, Mia Gentile. Um, before we leave, do you have any questions for me? I do. Um, I guess it's like we only have so little time. I want to ask you a million questions. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll ask three and you could choose the one that you want. Okay. So I guess the first one that came to mind is like, what don't most people understand about living with disabilities that you think would help them be advocates for people with disabilities? That's a question I have. Another question, if you feel like answering something light, uh, what's it like playing hockey? And three, um, what's something that inspires you to be brave? Because I think that like your podcast, like putting yourself out there in a podcast is really brave. And um, so, yeah, what, what, what encourages you to be brave? Um, I'm actually gonna answer the third one. Um, <laughs> what makes me brave is I can understand myself better than I didn't know before. Like I didn't like I was always like shy about talking. Well, obviously I'm a chatterbox, <laughs> but before <laughs> like I was scared to talk because I have a disability called 22Q, also known as the George syndrome. I was like really scared to talk because. I wanted to be like everybody else. Like obviously, like I want to. You want to be like somebody else or get a role model. But um, with me, I want like I just wanted to be open about it, and I just decided to hey, what can I practice on? And I was like, I can make a podcast working on my speech. And that's what I did. I had an idea what I wanted to do for my podcast. And I was like, okay, 
I can work on my speech. I can work on communication skills. And there's like a lot of skills that I can work incorporate with this podcast that I can work on. So I thought this was perfect. And I was also scared that people would, I guess, judge um, like my ideas of a podcast. And especially with a person who is disabled, I'm not saying it in a mean way, but um, like, because you always see podcasts like from David Dobrik or other celebrities, like, like I wanted to have a meaningful one, like about disability people and having them to be okay and understand the meaning of this podcast. It's okay to be different. It's okay to understand that you can't always be okay. Like, that's why I wanted to do this. And it can help me be braver to get a bigger crowd of people listening to this or inspiring others. So that's why I picked this question to answer. Wow, you're an amazingly inspiring person. And, and I, I know from my own personal experience how scary it can be to put yourself out there mm-hmm. in a really truthful, authentic way. You know, I think having a podcast and, you know, sharing is really brave in a way that like sometimes even acting is not because I get to just say the lines that were given, you know, and that's brave in a different way. And I'm not minimizing that, but I think to share yourself, your authentic self and your truth is hard for anyone. And, and I, I'm super inspired because my ego wants me to look perfect all the time. And if I do something that's out of my comfort zone, I risk being judged and not looking perfect. And here you are just like doing something that you, you want to get better at certain things. And you're, you're putting yourself out there in this like process that allows other people to be like, Hey, it's cool. Like, it's all cool. It's safe. Like come out and play, you know? It's like, it's amazing. Like, being brave means that you're encouraged others to be brave as well. Yeah. And brave doesn't mean being fearless. Like I have fear all the time around things that I want to share, like a drawing or a poem or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I have to do the thing in spite of my fear, you know, it's not because I don't have fear. That's, you know, we all have it. Right all want to be liked we all want to feel accepted by other people but um but when you lead the way with your own courage then that's like that's that's such a gift to the world thank you um i just want i'm very proud that i actually reached out and i was honestly brave enough to (laughs) Um, I think it's very brave too. Like when I reach out to people that I don't know and I'm like, hey, would you do this thing with me, for me? And and I, I, and I'm not saying that like, cause I know that I'm like honored, but you didn't know that I would be like honored and excited to be on your podcast. You know, right. that you yourself out there. Right. Um, I just want to say thank you. Um, you can stay if you want to. Um, I just want to say thank you everyone for listening. Um, let me know if you want to hear more interviews like this. Thank you. Tune in next time. <laughs>